It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's C. Sparky, 5-12-50 a.m. The Fan, beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, a little snowy, actually, the last few days, but apparently everybody is getting it. As our special guest uh, today is Dusty Evely of the Packer Report, Cheesehead TV, Packaday Podcast. Everywhere you see the Packers coverage, Dusty Evely has something to do with it. I can guarantee you on that one. Uh, Dusty, thanks for coming on, man. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Listen, after that game yesterday, I am just, I'm, I'm flying high, brother. Flying high. No doubt. 48-32 Packers over the Cowboys. Uh, and again, I mean, going into this game, it was the same with me as predictions-wise as it's been the last three. I don't trust Joe Barry. I don't trust his defense. <laughs> I'm not picking him. And again, this Packer defense, again, Dusty Evely, shows up in a big way. Not getting the junk points, you know. Whatever, it is what it is. But, I mean, you're at, what, 48-16 or whatever it was at, at, at some point. And that's, to me, that's that's where it stops right there. And then anything after that, they decided to play what they decided to play to let the Cowboys kind of waste clock and waste time. But your thoughts on, on what you saw from Joe Barry's defense? Yeah, I mean, you had the, like you said, I don't, I don't trust them either. They, they will turn in some performances. I've not looked too much at the defensive side yet. I know, like, that Savage pick six thing of beauty, that looked like player making a play. They had him robbing down. I think he was supposed to take that like a three-man slant, and I think he was supposed to take the inside guy, and he just red Dak and jumped that second slant and took that to the house. So that was a player make plays. I don't really think that was like a – that was no scheme. That was no coaching. Like we saw this on tape. This That was Savage saw something and went to go get it. The pass rush – I mean, the pass rush worries me a bit because they had been pretty good. Uh, they didn't do a whole lot this past week, and that was a pretty banged-up Cowboys offensive line. I think Gary didn't really show up or do much at all. So I, I certainly have concerns going into the Niners game. Like you said, I mean, the game, it's funny for a game that was a 16-point game saying it didn't feel as close as that. It was 27 nothing up until like two seconds left in the first half. Like yep. the, the Packers destroyed this game. It was not as close as, as the score indicated. But yeah, that being said, you had the, the Jair tremendous pick. Uh, on whatever the Cowboys' second possession, first possession, right. I think, uh, second possession, I guess, is after the punt. They like Kenny Clark did some work schematically. I didn't really see a whole lot different. Um, they 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 had the Cowboys had their chances. They had the the issue or the the question was going to be how often they're going to be able to get Quay Walker, Devondre Campbell matched up on CD Lamb. 
and they did it, and they couldn't hit those. They had one on the first drive that was, what, third and five? Sucker looked like he could have gone for 40 yards. Dak missed him, banged off the, the CD's fingertips. I think the chances were there the Cowboys couldn't hit them. That being said, I mean, they made plays. They did a good job, this defense, but I don't – I don't. I st- I'm with you. I still don't feel great about this defense, even with holding down this Cowboys offense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here we are. They win. Uh, they're up, like you said, 27 nothing, and you and I both are sitting here going, yeah, I still don't know if I really trust them necessarily <laughs> at this point. Still don't think I'm necessarily sold on this defense. But, I mean, again, to a certain degree, Keyshawn Nixon getting coverage against C.D. Lamb. And doing doing pretty damn good. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody saw Keyshawn Nixon beginning of last year having to face Ke- uh, C.D. Lamb in a playoff game the following season, and he held his own. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the other guy too. And I know he's got he's been getting his flowers this year, but uh, Carrington Valentine, my dude out of UK, your dude, know, yeah, right, Kentucky, right, yeah, right down the road here. Love that dude. Yep. He he seems like he's coming up with plays. He's coming. He's showing up in coverage like every single week. He had the big one uh, against Comet and the Bears in Week 18 there where he had nice recovery and knocked it away. He's shown up. Ballantyne's had his moments as well. Like the, some of the young guys in the secondary, they like said Nixon, Nixon takes his lumps, man. Like he is, he, he is not, he is not great, but he is instinctive. He'll make some plays. He'll, he'll get burned sometimes, but they've, all those guys have been making plays. I mean, Jair had that, like I said, tremendous pick, but even Valentine and Valentine who Valentine, that was a guy I watched him in preseason. It was like, I don't think he can play in the league. Like he looks so stiff. He looked like there's no way he'd cover. And then he's out there knocking down passes from Justin Jefferson. So I, like I said this, it all feels like it's held together by duct tape. Any given moment. It's like, I mean, if, if some of these guys, if, if that one play goes a little different, if he doesn't stick his hand out right there, but they just keep making plays, man. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm getting my hopes up for this weekend <laughs> while not fully trusting a defense, but they, they just keep making plays, dude. We had questions uh, last year, I remembered throughout the year, about Quay Walker um, and how that whole thing was going to play out in the middle for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, now with two years complete, pretty much. I mean, they've got obviously the Niners coming up, and if they win, they can continue to play with two regular seasons in the books. Your thoughts on Quay Walker now as far as being a first-round draft pick uh, and has he lived up to the billing of where he was drafted through two seasons? I'm I'm bad with the draft stuff. Um, I I am of the mind that unless it's a like generational inside linebacker, I'm not picking him in the first round. That being said, he's looked really good, man. Like I think the way they're using him a little bit more, uh, using him on some blitzes, which I think he's a, that's the thing. He's a freak athlete, dude. Let him go get the quarterback a couple times a game. Like do that. I think his uh, he still will have some issues. Like I said, against CD not the slot, but he's a linebacker. Like that's gonna happen. But he's a big instinctive fast guy who's playing smarter i think especially i think first half of the year i was a little iffy on him like i don't maybe this isn't gonna click and it seems like that's coming around a little bit more so i think he's starting to understand what's in front of him a little bit better i think he's reading keys a little better and he's falling back a little bit more as well and then when they're asking to rush the passer he's going to get it so i don't know about first round billing uh just because again i don't i don't, I don't love first round inside linebacker but i think what he's given this defense i don't know I still don't think he's like a top end. Like if he's like when you see like what Levante David does, right? Like I don't think he's like that game changing type of inside linebacker. But the bar's so low in Green Bay. Like he is a good inside linebacker who will give you sideline to sideline, not making a whole lot of splash plays. I'm pretty sure his hands are made out of bricks. But like he's he's been coming around. He's a solid piece of that defense. So I'm 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 a big fan of his. I, I will say that I'm a product of watching, you know, 80s Packers football uh, and that style of play, right? Where it was a little dirty. Uh, mm-hmm. They did things, whatever they wanted, especially against the Bears. So forgive me, Packer Nation, when I say 
one of my favorite moments of that game was TJ Slater just absolutely slamming that offensive lineman to the ground and that little scrub they had. That dude just picked him up and threw him down like he was me. I mean, with no effort whatsoever. But but see, again, that's that that toughness, that that nastiness that you're looking for from a couple of guys on the defensive side of the football. I'm like, to hell with you. I'm not putting up with this crap. That and again, we don't need Quay Walker shoving dudes, right? Like personnel mm-hmm. guys on the sidelines. Not saying that. But that right there, he didn't punch him in the head, nothing like that. He just threw him to the ground. Now, he's not going to get suspended for that or nothing crazy. But that to me, that's like, we're not going to do it. And then there was a moment earlier in the game, too, where Jair Alexander shoved Sidney Lamb in the back after the play was over. And Lamb just walks away. And I was like, <laughs> whoa. And Strahan mentioned it on uh, on the broadcast, like, you just walk away from that? Like, where's your fight? You don't just walk away. You turn around, you say something. You don't just walk away. And for Stray, and that kind of summed up the Cowboys' effort, lack of effort, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what do you make of their, I don't know if it's nastiness or how, whatever you want to call it, their moxie uh, on the defensive side of the ball? I think, I actually saw there was a clip. I, I don't know what podcast it was from. It was on Monroe St. Brown and a couple other dudes. It was uh, someone from the Bears were talking. And the guy from the Bears was like, man, you were right about that Packers defense. And Amon Ra was like, they talk, man. They talk, yeah. and he was like, I don't remember his name. He's like, it's 37, which we, we know. Yeah, that's that guy. That's your He's guy. Like, that guy just talks, which we knew. Like, we we know Jair likes to talk. We know Valentine. I mean, you watch him in the preseason. Like, you can't see his mouth moving because he's under the helmet. Right. You know that man's talking. <laughs> non, like, just his body language. That man's talking nonstop. So, you've got that. And I don't know how Valentine is, but, like, they've got whatever that is, that tenacity that you want to see. They've got in, they've got that in them, and at the Valentine. I mean, that was he did the same thing at UK, so I know he comes by that honestly. And Jair does that as well, and you get those guys together in that room, and I think that takes it up a notch. So, I love it. Like you've got to have, I don't know about everywhere in the deep. Like you've got to have, I think for a corner, I love that kind of attitude. Like you, you go get it. You got a short memory, which I know Jair has always had. You give up a big play, you get right back. You get right, you give up a fifty-yard bomb, you get right back in the guy's ear. Like I love. I don't, again, I don't know that I love it all over the field, cornerback specifically. I want those guys talking nonstop, man. How about Preston Smith? I mean, again, he's not getting any younger, but man, he has had some big moments throughout this season. And again, big batted ball there, sack the whole day. I mean, he has done his thing. Yeah, especially last half of the year, dude. I mean, he looks yeah. as good as he's ever looked in Green Bay. When he came, that's the funny thing about Preston. He's another guy who every single year, it's been, is he going to be back in Green Bay next year? I mean, when it was him and Zedarius came at the same time, Preston was always the first one out the door, now Zedarius. And now he's been he's been in Green Bay for a while. Like he's And he's he's had some ups and downs. He's been tremendous the back half of this year, both as – I mean, his, his thing has always been, you know, he's not a bendy edge rusher. He's kind of that um, – crush the pocket edge rusher, which is what the Packers want. That's what they got out of Van Ness as well. But he just he sets the edge on run stuff so well. They've had so much problems over the years with with uh with run defense. Him against the run and setting that edge, invaluable. Like he's Darius against the run and setting an edge was non existent. So you, you oh, well, he, yeah, he was he was physical. He was just he'd rather knife inside the block, right. the outside, yeah. which Gary's got a little bit of that in him as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, okay, so we'll take a quick time. I'll come back. Other side, we'll talk about this Packers offense because let's face facts. That's what y'all want to talk about. But I had to give some love to the defense to start off the podcast because I know damn right well no other podcast is leading with defense uh, after this big win against the Dallas Cowboys. You're not going to hear about defense necessarily on any of these talking head shows. So I'll 
they're crushing the Cowboys and not talking about the Packers at all, which was very predictable, knowing that if you beat them, that was going to happen. So take a quick time. I'll come back. Other side, I'll talk about Jordan Love. We'll talk about this wide receiving core and Aaron Jones. Oh, my goodness gracious. I'll talk about all that coming up next. Don't forget, download Curtin Long on your Odyssey app. Whenever you download your favorite podcast app, also you can check us out on the Odyssey Sports YouTube app where we're streaming this bad boy live right now here on Monday morning. Back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's C Sparky, 5 or 12.50 a.m. The Fan in Milwaukee, along with our guy Dusty Evely, Packer Report, Cheesehead TV, Packaday Podcast, you name it. He's everywhere. Follow him on Twitter at Dusty Evely. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. He's in for Ryan Horvath today, who is going through the winter storm uh, that we just went through, and he has no power currently, uh, so he cannot do the podcast uh, today. Uh, all right, Dusty, so let's talk about it. The Packers get the big win over the Cowboys. We talk about defense in the first segment. What about this offense? Uh, let's first start with Aaron Jones. Uh, again, four games now, over 100 yards. Said this before, and I'm going to say it again. If they had Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones healthy all year, I think they win the division. If they those two were healthy all year, I think they could have won the division. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, that's been one of the things, big things with, uh, I mean, well, even because Bakhtiari is healthy game one, right? I mean, a lot of the interior line and a lot of the other offensive linemen, one of my favorite stats from week one, not it's my favorite now, was not my favorite at the time, was I can't remember how many rushing yards the Packers had in week one against the Bears. They had one yard before contact. The, no lot, no movement on the offensive line. Everything was either, you know, hit at the line, hit slightly behind the line. Jones making something happen, fighting for every single yard. You watch this team now, and granted, the Cowboys are not the best run defense uh, this year. That was their big weakness. But the Bears were playing really well, and they just they housed them just the previous week. They're getting movement everywhere from every position along that offensive line. Josh Myers, everyone's favorite punching bag, he's doing a really good job pulling. You've got Rasheed Walker holding it down when his big weakness was run blocking. You've got Elton Jenkins doing stuff. We know what Elton Jenkins could do. Running's been doing really well. Tom's been moving guys. His whole thing was, is he is he too light? Can he not really be a good guy in the run game? And what they're doing with the tight ends and everything, everything's moving down. You look at some of these cutbacks from Aaron Jones. He's got lanes, huge cutback lanes with, with his offensive lineman blocking five yards down the field. And you simply weren't seeing that first half of the year. So Jones and his vision has been incredible. But, yeah, the movement of this offensive line, him being able to see those holes, then hit those with that burst, if they were able to do this all year, like I said, division for sure. Um, and, you know, with Bakhtiari, I'm not sure because he is very good, but they also were not getting a whole lot of movement out of any anyone else at the offensive line until later in the year anyway. So uh, maybe, maybe not, but, uh, but it has been really awesome to watch how this run game has come along the back half of the year. And I think we both agree there is no possible chance Aaron Jones is not back now. Like, I, I, I think he has solidified himself now as a member of the Green Bay Packers. To me, my question now is, because he has one year left on his deal, I think is what it is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So my question now is, do they extend him, right? Or, or do they let him play out a year, or do they give him two more years added on to this um, at a price? Because two things. One, I don't think he has any intention of wanting to leave, because he could mm-hmm. have. Right, he could have left. Um, I don't think he has any intention of wanting to leave. I think he's really, no pun intended, in love with love. 
um, at this point and not wanting to roll without him, seeing how good this offense is, knowing that they're going to have a chance to compete for a Super Bowl for the foreseeable future with this offense. I think he stays and probably takes about anything Goody offers him as long as it's not, you know, uh, horrible. And I don't think Goody can offer him a horrible contract because he knows damn right well that he is kind of the heart and soul of this offense at this point. Yeah, I mean, his last, the last restructure of the deal, he took a pay cut to be here. Like you yep. said, he he wants to be here. I I am of the mind at this point because it seemed like every year the conversation. I talked about Preston Smith earlier. Same thing with Aaron Jones. Every year the conversation had been like, well, they can't possibly bring him back. Look at his look at his cap. It is this the last year for Aaron Jones? I dude's a Packer for life. I think if he wants it, and I think they want it. And I understand. I am I am a big big analytic big in analytic stuff and the don't pay running backs and all of that stuff. I think with this team, with this running back, it's different. You you pay him again. You can you can give him less than what he'd probably make up a market, and it seems like he'd probably take it because he wants to be around. What he gives the locker room, what he gives you when he's healthy. If you just bank, he's going to be injured half the season at this point. He's getting ready to be thirty, or I think he just turned thirty. That uh, this what happens to running backs, but he also has been for all the complaining over the life of his contract in terms of. You're not running him enough. You're not running him enough. His legs are still relatively young because he wasn't yep. getting 25 carries a game his entire career. So he's still got the burst when he's out there. I mean, you you look at some of those cutbacks and some of the burst through the hole. He looks like he's 20 years old, like eight, and he's going to take his lumps. But I am currently of the mind. I'm with you. I think I think you keep him in Green Bay as long as you possibly can. I maybe not the wisest decision to bend over backwards for a running back, but. And his situation is different. I think his locker room presence is different. I think the fact that he wants to be here and what he gives you, not just as a runner, but like a pass protection. He was tremendous in pass protection. Again, understanding some of the leverage and the routes that he runs. Again, just a locker room guy. I think I'm with you. I feel like he's absolutely back next year. And that does not say you don't draft a running back. Let's clarify. I think you still have to draft a running back because like you said, he's going to miss games. Like that's, I think that's just a given at this point going in. How many don't know that may vary from year to year, but you have to have that next guy. And I don't know. I mean, Wilson showed a lot in preseason. Okay. I I don't know if I'm there enough to say, Mm -hmm. yep, he's going to be the backup to Aaron Jones and we're good at running back. So I, I don't think I'm there. Are you there on Wilson? No, I'm not. He's a guy, he, he looked really good, like you said, in the preseason. And then you see him in an NFL game with other NFL starters. The burst and the speed is not there. He's not running right. away from fourth, like the uh, number one guys as he was against the number four guys. I've, and he's also kind of a, big, a bigger dude, kind of a little more of what, what A.J. Dillon gives you. If you keep him and Dylan's out the door, I don't have a problem with that. But I mean, because I always I always have a soft soft spot for that kind of scat back, the smaller, yes. undersized guy that Jones gives you, like kind of the slicer. Just give me an army of men. Like I was pounding the table this past year. I really love uh, Tajay Spears out of Tulane, who ended yep. up going to um, Tennessee and had a really nice season there. He's basically Aaron Jones. Like just give me an Aaron. If you want to bring Lewis back or uh, Wilson back, that's fine. Bring him back. He's like kind of your number two, kind of your plotter. But give me a slicer. Give me, give me a guy who runs a four three four four and can cut. Like that. That's all I want. One thousand percent, especially in this offense where you can get somebody out in space and a guy that can take it to the house if he touches it. It would be awesome for this offense because they've got so many other weapons. Uh, okay, Jordan Love. Uh, let, let's get into this. Uh, dude doesn't really need to really ever set correctly, throw correctly, mm-hmm. none of that stuff. I watched that that quarterback school. Uh, with JT O'Sullivan. Uh, and it's just funny listening to him, dude. He he just, his mind is blown sometimes on some of these throws. He's just like, dude, come on. that That's not real. Like, you're not supposed to be able to do what he's doing. Like, that's re- really type special stuff. 
And you saw more of that this week in this game against the Dallas Cowboys, Dusty. Yeah, no, it feels like he's showing off sometimes. It really yes. is. It is funny hearing guys like JT and um, I think uh, Case Keenum uh, does yep. a show over at Underdog. He'll talk about it as well. Or Colt, I think it's no, it's Colt McCoy, I think. Uh, and he he will do this whole like, listen, if I had the arm strength, like this looks awesome. I cannot do this. Like it's it's rare what he can do. You, I mean that that Wicks touchdown where it's just off his back foot, dotting the back Perfect. of the end zone from like twenty five yards out. Like you can't teach that. He set the protection before that. Like he knew everything was coming. It was a zero blitzed him. He still got that off the, um, the Romeo Dobbs, the fourth down touchdown. They yeah. like drops to a sidearm and just whistles that thing in between three different dudes. That's like, he, he had to do that on that one. Like uh, there's some of them where he's got a little bit of, uh, I've, I live in sec country. So I've been watching Stafford since he was at Georgia. Sure. Stafford would do a lot of that same stuff, even in college. You're like, it looks cool when it works. Sometimes he'll sail a ball 20 yards over a guy's head. Cause he submarine arms it when he doesn't have to. So there's, there's sometimes where it feels like love is just, eh, let's see if I can get away with this. <laughs> and sometimes it's a little off. Uh, but then he also has, I mean, he had that, that rolling out dart to Tucker craft on third and four. Yeah. That was just blanketed from like 15 yards out that he just, what opened up his hip, no feet on the ground. And then just sidearm that sucker into a very tight window. It seems like he's showing off, but I mean, he's he well, he understands the offense so well too. Like that's the thing; he understands everything in front of him so well that I'm going to get this ball to this guy, however I need to. And sometimes that's going to be no feet on the ground sidearm. That's just the way this is going to work, man. <laughs> See, and again, I'm sorry, but all this all this talk about oh, if you draft a quarterback early in the first round, oh, you got to play him right away. Why? No, you don't. There's no rule that says you do. Look at how good, and you just said it. Look at how good he is running this offense because he knows it and he's not playing with a bunch of veterans. He's had to teach and grow these young kids with him and kind of be another coach with LaFleur trying to get, pull them along to understand what they're doing. And he's already said, Hey, come this off season, I'm bringing him to California more than I did last year. And he wants to do all this stuff and continue this. That to me is the biggest thing. And you can do it your way, right? You can force these guys into play right away and possibly blow up in your face and them never be the guy because you're never going to give them time. And one of my examples, actually two, first example is Rodgers. I don't believe Rodgers is, is that Hall of Fame type quarterback if he's in San Francisco. When he came out, he was not good. If everybody remembers back in preseason, so he was not good. And he would have had to start right away. That would have been McCarthy. McCarthy leads the next year. They would have got another... Alex Smith had, what, three or four coordinators in the first three or four years? Yeah. There's no way Aaron Rodgers would have survived that. There's just no chance. So I don't believe that ever ends up being that way. And if you go to the other side of he definitely should have sat, if Ryan Leaf would have sat for two or three years and matured and figured life out and didn't have all the pressure and weight of the world on his shoulders, could he have then become something? Instead, he crumbled under the pressure of the media and everything else. And that was the end of him. And he should have been a really good quarterback, but got thrown into the fire. Now, again, you have the Strouds of the world for the Texans who come in are unbelievable. Sure, there are exceptions to the rule. But even Payne Manning sucked his rookie year in Indianapolis, was god-awful, but was mentally tough enough to get through it, continue to work, and come back the next year and then begin his Hall of Fame career. But even him, he had a horrible time. And in today's league, in today's social media, if Peyton Manning would have done that then, now, oh my God, people would have been calling him the bus of the century and, oh, he's not that good. He's not Archie, yada, yada, yada. And they would have written his butt off quickly. 
Mm-hmm. No, you got I me. Mean, you go back. Same thing with Aikman. Aikman yes. a terrible rookie year, right? Yep. And I mean, and some of this, I mean, it, it, some of it, it does. It depends on the quarterback because you look at a guy like Love, and this is something I've heard. I know Kyle Shanahan has talked about where someone asked a question about like fixing mechanics in season. Like you work on mechanics. He's like, no, there's no time. Like we don't for quarterback mechanics for any of that stuff. Like we're putting together the game plan. It's the specifics of the game plan. Where you're supposed to be on this play, all that stuff in season. The mechanics, if you're working on that stuff that's extracurricular. That's not something that's being worked on. And so for a guy like love who had some issues, like he, the issues he had in college, some of it was mechanical. Some of it was not reading through progression. Some of it honestly was a system he was in. That wasn't a one-to-one. Like you can't come in. Ohio state system was slightly different than what Stroud was asked to do. Like he's running a system that like, okay, I understand what I'm supposed to be doing with this stuff. I swear. I swear Jordan love with that Utah state, they're running four verts, 15 20 times a game which is just it's a different way to read a defense it's read and react to the guys you're not going through progressions you don't have to understand everything you're understanding leverage of the dbs you and your wide receiver need to be on the same page and then when he breaks then i throw it it's it's a different different way of reading something out so for a guy like love coming in you need that time if he was starting from day one yeah he'd be he'd be completely overwhelmed and then by the time he got to this point in his career he would have been beat up because he holding the holding the ball too long, waiting for stuff to open as as opposed to throwing with anticipation, and then you're kind of done at that point. And then you you know someone else picks you up eventually because you're a first round pick, but you've got that some some of that trauma in your head. Your clock is sped up from all that. And you're just kind of done. So I, I do think it depends on the quarterback and the situation coming in and all that stuff. But yeah, if they had started love, if someone else picked up love that same pick or late in the first round, and he started year one, year two. I mean, he's a completely different dude at this point. Look at David Carr. He got absolutely annihilated by that offensive line with the Texans. Absolutely destroyed his career. He was so shell-shocked, he didn't know how to get out of his way. And now again, his career ended up fine. He's doing TV, making a bunch of money, I'm sure. But, I mean, absolutely got shell-shocked. All right, let's talk about the, this wide receiving court because I had a conversation this morning with my father. And he said, you know what? All this playoffs, losses with LaFleur and all that stuff. He said, is it really on LaFleur or was it really on 12 just trying to force the issue and trying to get plays to Devontae Adams more times than not? And if he would have just thrown the band ball to the open receiver, they may have had more success uh, in the postseason than they did between him and LaFleur. Uh, To me, I said, yeah, you're probably right. That was my answer. You watch the all 22s every single week. You've been through all of this. So what is the correct answer to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think there's certainly something to that. I think there's also something to familiarity. Like it's it's I don't know that it's so much. You know, I think Rogers would lock on a Devonte sometimes, but some of that is stuff that would work. I went through um, the last, you know, the, the was a big play against the 49ers in the divisional round that Rogers threw into whatever double coverage into Devonte and Lazard's open in the middle on that what a 15, 20 yard cross uh, in route, whatever that was. They hit that exact same play to Devontae earlier that year in Cincinnati. Lazard was open. Devontae is running that same route. Rodgers hits him 60 yards. So I think there is a, like, I I know where my guy is going to be, and if I like this look, I'm going to throw it. Now, the difference was 49ers dropped the guy, and Rodgers never saw him. That that was one of the issues on that play. So I think there is, like, a familiarity. I've done this before. I know how this works, and so I know my guy is going to win. I think there's a level of trust. I don't think that's a bad thing to lock on to your number one. I went through that game – that, that Niners game at some point that was like the first read was 45% of the time to Devante, which for a number one, like that feels right. That doesn't feel like too bad to me, but there is also something to be said as far as when we've seen this in San Francisco as well with, with some of the stuff Shanahan's running, 
you scheme your guys up. Sometimes a play is going to one guy and you throw to that guy, but sometimes it's pure read. We've seen that a lot uh, over the past few weeks. The Packers have been using this concept that's uh, they kind of mash two concepts together and you read one to two and you just throw the open guy. Like there's something to that. I don't want to say Rodgers didn't do that, but I do think, and I think they touched on this in the broadcast as well in terms of um, there's no one since everyone's young, there's, there's no, there's no entrepreneur. You think of like Correct. Uh, DK Metcalf, you think of Stefan Diggs, where they start, you know, they're making a stink. CD Lamb, you get one target in the first half and it's, I got to find a way to get this back out of the ball because or else they're, they're going to be upset about it. You don't have that. And so there's no pressure on love to have to do that. And I don't, and I don't think Devonte was that guy, but I think there's times Devonte's like, listen, I'm a good player. Get me the ball, but I don't think he's raising a stink about it. There's, but there's also something to be said as far as all these guys are young. I'm reading this out and throwing it to the open guy. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to. In the back of my mind, I'm not saying I got to get this ball to Dontavian Wicks or else he's going to be upset about it. So I can see it. That was a very uh, diplomatic answer, I think. I can see it from both sides. So if you're the young wide receivers, just look at like the last three weeks. They didn't have a 100-yard receiver all year. In the last three weeks, they've had three different receivers. So if you're Jordan Love and you're Matt LaFleur, you're like, be patient. Be patient, young grasshopper. You'll have your day. Just be patient. We're just going to take what we get here, and we're going to go. Now, who knows who it's going to be against San Francisco, right? It could be another 100-yard receiver. It could be somebody that hasn't even had it yet. Maybe Musgrave gets 100 yards in this game, and they really attack using the tight end in this game. Who knows how it goes? But if the ball's getting spread around, I don't think people get frustrated to the point of, I don't know, I'm even running a damn round. He ain't going to look at me. They all realize they may get the ball on any given play if they're on the field. Yeah, and there's a buy-in there if they don't. I mean, that's the big thing. We look at different things for coaching. There's, it's hard to evaluate good coaching, right? But the big thing is, how are guys buying in when the ball's not going to them? How what's what's that effort like? These guys are blocking. You look at a guy like Christian Watson, who was you know the the high the high draft pick. Obviously, he's not played a lot this year because of the injuries. You watch him this week. He had one target. He had one catch. Little little hitch route, like eleven yards, something like that. He is blocking like crazy on runs, downfield passing. He's when he's out there, hundred percent. It doesn't matter if the ball's going his way or not, and that's true to a man. Now, some of the, they may not always do what they're supposed to be doing. There are still some issues there, and they may not lock up the blocks like they're supposed to. That's not an effort thing. Like you look at, so you look at how far these guys have come and the effort they put when they're out there into blocking and stuff. It's it's been awesome. Like that's like you said. There's no frustration. There's no. I'm gonna I'm gonna half effort this because the ball isn't on my way in like the past three possessions. I went they're to a man. They're they're blocking and they're giving it their all, which is which is really cool to see. Again, you're you're the more of the football guy than than I am when it comes to the X's and O's and all that stuff. But I find myself salivating thinking about what this offense could be like with Musgrave and Kraft both on the field at the same time and all the different things that LaFleur can unleash that he has not been able to do all season long, whether that's you know against the Niners or whether that's next year, that really is going to provide this offense to be even more explosive than it already is. Yeah, no, Kraft was a guy, I mean, early in the season, he looked lost. He looked yep. like he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing. And so when Musgrave went down, he got more playing time. Kraft has now turned into a monster. I mean, with the ball in his hand, he wants to run people over to his detriment sometimes because uh, he'll stay yep. in bounds maybe a little longer than he's supposed to. He's, he's blocking and then the ball in his hands, he's a bull. And then you have Musgrave, who's a willing blocker and can also go downfield. So now you have where early it was Musgrave's the receiver was a better blocker earlier than I think a lot of us thought he was going to be. Now he's back. You have Musgrave skill set. And now you have Kraft, who's turned into like a very good player over the course of a season. 
those two tight end sets early in the year, I was really excited about. Then as soon as I started doing them, it was, okay, Kraft isn't ready for this. Well, now he's ready for it. And then this is a, like you said, but the big thing, what you always want out of your tight ends, my big thing with tight ends, and everyone everyone that talks about this, their big thing with tight ends, can you do both? If you can block and you can receive, because all your hunting mismatches. So you want those guys. So now if you get a package out there where it's, it's Kraft, Musgrave, Jones, Watson and Reed. You can now you can go spread offense. You can run power run. You can do anything. You can run trick plays. Anything you want to do out of that <laughs> skill set because you've got you now have tight ends yeah. who can block power and can also burn linebackers down the seam. Like that's what you want to create mismatches. And with Kraft playing well, Musgrave back. Listen, man, I'm talking myself into this too much. I'm I'm too excited about this at this point. I think. <laughs> me too, man. I'm <laughs> sorry, man. You, I don't know how you can't be smiling. I like. I was watching <laughs> that game, going, "Is this real life? Like, holy crap! Like, Dallas can't do anything to stop these guys. They punted once, and it was it by the door. Because here we come. You can't stop us. And you could just see after the first drive, McCarthy was like, "Oh no!" Like I thought Quinn had this, but I don't think he does. And this could be a problem. And Quinn's up for jobs now. I mean, their defensive coordinator, he's up for jobs around the league. And who was it? Jay Glazer said that game wouldn't affect him being up for jobs around the league. I don't know, man. I mean, if I'm a general manager, I'm thinking twice after I watch that display because you definitely were picked to win that game. Your defense was supposed to be all that. You were at home, and they carved you up, and you never slowed them down. It wasn't like, okay, they drove down the field on us two times, then we figured it out, and we limited them to like two or three field goals the rest of the game. You never figured it out. Yeah, I mean, what what I will say to give Quinn a little bit of credit, he was trying different stuff. It's not that he was like, I'm just going to do this one thing. He was trying different stuff. He was dropping guys. He was bringing the house. He was switching up coverages. He was disguising stuff. Love did a really good job pre-snap of finding out some of that stuff. But even when he didn't, they just killed him anyway. That was the thing. Like I think Quinn tried his hardest to do whatever he could. And it just didn't work, man. Well, I think, on the you know, broadcast, they said that Quinn had said to them that the Packers give no tells. on if it's a run or if it's going to be play action, he's like, there are no tells. Like, you don't know. And you know, you're pretty much just guessing that you're guessing right. And uh, he didn't guess right much. No, he didn't. Well, that was a big thing when the floor came in as well. I remember Rogers talking about that with the later days of McCarthy. They didn't, they didn't really have a good play action game because their offensive linemen weren't really selling play action that well. Now they're firing off the ball. Like it's a run every time and then falling back. They are so good. The put the, that was, um, I don't feel there was a, the Jordan Rodriguez did a, a podcast series this past year called the play callers. That was like yeah. the Shanahan tree. And there wasn't a ton in there about the floor, but what wasn't there about the floor is of all those guys, he was the most detail oriented and you can see that stuff. And it was hard to see that early in the year when it was all those young guys and they're screwing stuff up and they weren't where they were supposed to be. But now with how, like you said, how they're selling everything, that whole illusion of complexity, that's, you know, the, the phrase that always goes around they they give no tells all those guys sell stuff the same way until they don't i mean you look at the big the touchdown to musgrave off of leak that stuff they run they run that play all the time or the you know the the core play of that all the time it looks exactly the same and then suddenly musgrave is busting out the other side there's no one within 30 yards of him like there's a reason that happens and it's because of those details they drill in on it's been as these guys have come along it's been really awesome to watch them all right, let's take a quick time. I'll come back because uh, we're not going to get Dusty Evely every day this week. Obviously, Ryan Horvath will be back uh, this week. So before I let Dusty Evely go, I want to get his early thoughts on this Packer Niners game. So we'll do that. Coming up next here on Curd and Long, download it on your Odyssey app. You download your favorite podcast. And, of course, on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page as well. Like, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications. Back after this.
Hey, it's C Sparky Fiverr, 1250 AM, The Fan, along with my guy, Dusty Evely. Follow him on Twitter at Dusty Evely. Of course, Cheesehead TV, Packer Report, Packer Day Podcast. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. Brian Horvath of BetMGM tonight. He'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, Dusty, let's talk about Packers Niners. Packers opened at a 10 point underdog. I swear to God. Like it was seven. They opened up against the Cowboys. I'm like, well, surely it'll be less than seven against the Niners. Oh no, it's it was 10. Oh my God. Uh so uh so clearly they are nobody's respect from a from the betting world. Everybody thinks that the Niners are just completely out of their league. Maybe they are and we'll find that out obviously on Saturday night. Uh your early thoughts uh on this Packers team and their chances of victory and what has to happen in order for them to uh get the Niners here. I've got nightmares of past Packers Niners uh, playoff games in my head. And so it's tough to think through this clearly, especially coming off this blowout here. I mean, the Niners, obviously, you know, number one seed, best team in the NFC, even through some of the issues that they had with Purdy and they had, they had some weird lulls in the middle of the season came out, got that by, got the number one and deservedly. So like they look like a machine. Um, I I tend to look at these things from the offensive side, because that's where I, that's where I spend the bulk of my time on the ball. And also, I mean, the also, again, we talked about Joe Barry, Joe Barry's going to do what Joe Barry does. I think the Niners are going to put up points. So then it's on the it's on the offense to keep up with them. It, a lot of this comes down to Nick Bosa for me. And if you look at their defense, I mean the defense is good. Uh, they'll bring pressure. They've not quite as good this year as they have been in the past. The Niners defense. Uh, they're by DVOA, they're fifteenth against the run this year. Uh, and again, with the Packers team coming up, that was not a good run offense, and now is a very good run offense. And you got those guys. I mean, to me, this looks like roughly the same kind of plan you had against the Cowboys. They didn't ask love. I mean, love had what 20 attempts before he came in for the one attempt after the Sean Clifford uh, series, when they, when they tried to put the game away a little right. bit more after the Cowboys scored. So you had 21 attempts in the game. I think he got sacked once, maybe 22 total dropbacks. If I'm not mistaken. I think the plan here is roughly the same. Try to run, have a plan for Nick, Bo- Nick Bosa, which with Tucker Craft playing as well as he has, you can you can slice him under the line. You can, you know, you probably got you got Tom or something, wherever he's gonna line up, you got Tom, and then you got uh, Kraft or Musgrave chipping him, you got Jones giving help. I mean, listen, have have Kraft and Jones over there if you need to. Have a plan for Nick Bosa. The what you're doing in the run game, you're running power, you're running inside zone run that stuff, run that away from Nick Bosa or run it at him, but just have a plan for him. And if the way they're getting movement, I think they'll be able to, to get some movement against this Niners uh, defensive line. Uh, it's been fearsome in the past. They've, they've had some holes in it this year. So if you can run on them a little bit, that opens up some shot plays. They start coming up. You take some shots with, with the pressure is going to be in his love's face. We've seen love under pressure. His The biggest thing for me with love his blitz stuff the, coming into this year. What was the, what the conversation was that Kansas city game. He started, right. They yep. blitzed him and he had no answer for it. They've been blitzing him like crazy. The back half of this year. I think I can't remember what game it was the Vikings game. Flores blitzed him 75% of the time. I've never seen something like that before. And he's just shredding the blitz. And then even when they're not blitzing and he's under pressure, he's got a plan. We talked about earlier. He is so under control with all of this stuff. He's got a complete understanding with the offense. So I think they're going to have to run the ball, get that stuff going take some shots off of it. I mean, ideally, even with love playing as well as he is, ideally you don't want love throwing any more than 25 times in this game. I would say you want to limit that a little bit because that means your run game's going. And then defensively, the only thing I'll say defensively Purdy for everything, all the good stuff he's done this year, he puts a couple balls up for grabs every game. Sure does come down with those. You got to come down with those to swing this game. I think, and I think if they do that, they got a really good chance, um, but I think they're, they're going to have to be on it, dude, because the Niners are going to put up some points. 
If they beat the Niners. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I, listen, I will be irrational. <laughs> if they go into halftime with a lead against the Niners, I will be irrational. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Dusty Evely get Packer Report, Cheesehead TV, and the Packer Day Podcast. Follow me at Dusty Evely. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. I get Dalo Kurt along in your Odyssey app pack uh, as well. I'm going to set it on the Packer Day Podcast. You're not going to find us there. Uh, Kurt along on the Odyssey app, where we download your favorite podcast at the Odyssey Sports YouTube page, uh, where we are streaming this bad boy, and this we normally do. And of course, like, subscribe hit the bell for notifications thank you so much mr dusty evely and uh we will talk again soon and i look forward to an irrational dusty evely on social media if the packers have a lead now i'm really rooting for a packer lead this one because i want to see what this looks like enjoy the rest of your day thanks